identity to, in Christ comes alive. There it is. That's Phil Pringle there. So when we submit to Scripture, rather than submit the Scripture to us, our identity in Christ comes alive. That's a really, really good, really good quote. Come on, the next one, please. Here's one from Paul Scanlon. Not being liked won't kill you, but being controlled by certain people's opinions and, and approval of you might. That's a good one. And I have one more for you, a local one. Babies are cute, even when they're ugly. They're still cute. <laughs> From Carmel. There we go. So, I always like to start with a few quotes, even though uh, they took a little while to get to. I'm glad we got to them tonight. So, I just want to um, say thanks for coming out to Heartbeat tonight. And uh, you are the first um, group of our new direction uh, with Heartbeat Nights, and that is to really get leaders in, in the same room at the same time. And I really want to make that important. And realistically, in the future, we want to make this the night for leaders to come together uh, to hear the purpose, the vision, the direction, um, and so people can get better on board with where we're going together as a church. And that has to come from leadership. It's got to work from leadership down. And sometimes uh, we don't do that well in church, um, and churches generally, but that's something we, that I've really felt this year we need to target, we need to do much better, is, is sharing what we're planning, what we're doing with our leaders. And also, um, the big part of these nights is giving you leadership principles and keys that will help you lead your teams better. And if you're, if you're part of a team, it'll help you fit into a team better. So I've got a lot of rambling notes here tonight, but... Um, uh, the, the main thing is we want to bring our team, our team leaders together um, so we lead the church from the front and not from the back. So hopefully you can receive things tonight. I'm going to pray because I want you to receive things well and I don't want you to get offended because it's too easy because I know I've heard people in the past in my development, and I, I'm hearing guys like uh, Paul Scanlon that we just saw tonight, well, here he's preaching and go, that guy's mad. You can't do that. And, but he's, he's teaching leadership principles that I hadn't yet understood. Um, um, there's another lady from Hillsong. What was her name? Um, no, different one. Um, she's on the national executive. Donna Crouch. I, I, I would hear her preach over and over, and I think, this lady's lost it. Can't stand this. But now I listen to it from the perspective I see now. I think, I wish I had have understood that then. Because it, make, it makes a lot more sense to me now in the leadership experience that I have but I didn't know that then so things I share with you now you might think you've cracked but you know what they're things that as your leadership experience develops you'll go I need to know that I need to remember some of those things so take notes at these nights and, and try and uh, absorb everything without getting offended so I'm going to pray Lord I pray today that we uh, absorb a spiritual uh, dimension tonight I pray Lord God for this team of leaders that through this group of people, we may strengthen the church, uh, see it established stronger. And Lord, I just pray that we may see uh, the Holy Spirit move throughout our church um, through a good approach to church leadership and church discipline and all those things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I will speak to you as a leader. So I have, personally myself, I've never made leadership a, a goal in my life. 
uh, in, any, in any place, whether in a secular sense, in a work sense, uh, but particularly in ministry. I've never made leadership a goal. Um, but leaders, these are some keys you need to understand, particularly if you're a department leader or, or function in some way as a leader in church. Uh, leaders are people who recruit other leaders or recruit other people to the task at hand. Um, and, and team leaders, you need to, you need to be a person who um, builds others and releases others and, and to a certain extent also finds others who can do a job. So if you're, if you're struggling with a leadership role in your life, you need to, because some people think, well, I'm not sure if I'm a leader. Well, what you need to do is consider these things. Do you, you recruit others to what you do? So whatever area it is that you're functioning in, do you actively find others and say, hey, why don't you join this? Because I, I spent most of my ministry development as a, youth, as a youth leader, as a youth pastor, and the thing that I had to do all along, I didn't do it because I thought oh, I have to do this because I'm a leader, but the thing you do when you're in that area is you, you're meeting every young person that you can find everywhere. Hey, why don't you come to the youth group? Why don't you come to this youth meeting? Why don't you come to this youth event? Because that's what you do. So when you're a department leader in any function, there should be a desire and, and something within you that says, I want to spread what I do and get other people on board and help them to find their place in that. So a leader's role is to get vision and get the vision into others. So it's no point just having a vision of, of my own, but the vision that I have has got to get into other people. Um, and that way it's, it's in them, not just something that they're trying to fulfill. So when we look at the life of Moses in the Bible, we uncover huge resources on leadership. If you look, at, if you look into his life, um, and we're going to look at some points of Moses just really, really briefly tonight, and hopefully um, we'll just skim through a lot of stuff tonight, but I think there's going to be a lot of really um, important keys that you can start for this year to implementing into your life and experience in our church. So tonight, just by the way, we've got people who are here who are welcome team um, people. We've got people here who are um, hosts that we use on Sunday. And it's, there's some things I want to share for those hosts of how we talk and why we talk what we do so that we all speak the same language. We don't have to have it word for word, but we, we want to have a, a uniformity in our presentations and what we say because that's who we are. But we, we don't, you know, just for instance, we don't use words like mother of the house. Like, that's, that's an American thing that they have for the pastor's wife. And we don't do that. I think that's just weird. Um, uh, uh, we don't say friend of the house. Because if you're someone from outside, you think, what are they talking about? Who's, what, what's the house? So we want to just keep things normal. Yeah. We, and, and honestly, we want to keep things Australian too. So if we want to reach this community, we're going to be normal to them. Normal but supernatural. So, so we can do both. So... Um, with Moses, Numbers chapter 11, verse 14, I think I've got a, the verses should pop up there. It says, this is what Moses said to God. And I think he did it in desperation. He says, I can't carry all these people by myself. I think he said, I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. And this is you know, early in the, in the stages of his, his thing. He's going... I did, I, you know, realistically, Moses is saying, I didn't ask for this. I don't even want this. If he had his way, he would have said, God, choose someone else. Numbers 11, verse 16 to 17, it says, Then the Lord said, Gather before 
the 70 men, uh, gather before me 70 men who are recognized as elders. So I'm going to give you some rules tonight about leadership from Moses. Rule number one, sorry, I've got rule number two there. These are my great notes. We're really going good tonight. I probably left a page at home. Probably. The one that Paulie said, what's he leave that here for? I can't find rule number one unless it's somewhere else. It's on the screen? Well, that, that'll help me greatly. Rule number one is you are not meant to do ministry all by yourself ever. So that's a really, really important key that we need to understand that we're not meant to do ministry all by ourselves ever. So, so what I mean by that is I could think, well, I do all the preaching because that's what I'm paid to do. But I'm, I'm not paid to do all the preaching. I'm paid to release and find others who can do that. So, if, you know, and I'm not picking on anyone. If I throw out things tonight, don't get offended. They're just examples. So if, if you're a, a worship worshiper, worship leader, then your role is not to, to do worship every single service. Your role is to find others who you can release into those places. If you're the welcome team leader, then your role isn't to run every team and be there all the time and doing all that. Your role is to facilitate the smooth running, but then find others who can do that too. That's your role as a leader. So um, the first rule that we have um, in Moses' life is you are not meant to do ministry all by yourself ever. So I know sometimes we might launch things and think, well, there's, there's a little bit of a skeleton here. We, we don't have everything we need. But you've got to be thinking as, as best as you can. It's all about connections and relating with people to find others who will fill. Now, the, the amazing thing there that God said to Moses, he says, you go and find or you go and get 70 men, 70 leaders. So we have the choice of who's going to work with us. God didn't say, okay, Moses, I'll, I'll bring them to you. I'll show you who they are. He just said, go and find elders. Find people who have a, a, a record, a track record of leadership that show initiative and get them and they'll help you. So one of the big problems we have is we put people in positions who've never shown any initiative and we think somehow they're going to do something. That usually doesn't happen except they'll make, make everyone else around them annoyed. Rule number two. Oh, that, well, the rule number two is Moses got to choose them. So it's important that you have around you those who support and share the goal and share the wins. So having others around you who don't will, will result in um, slowing down your progress or giving you no progress. So um, you have to have a a group of people who surround you with a common vision and a cause and, and a desire and, and a, a passion for serving God. So Numbers 11 verse 16 says, those 70 men, God says to, to Moses, bring them to the tabernacle, that's the place of worship, um, to stand there with you. The important word there is stand. Oh, sorry, is there. Not stand, the important word is there. So you can't use those who aren't standing there. I'm gonna, you'll, you'll get this in a second. You can't use people who aren't standing there. So people who are there are better than 
talent that's not there. So what I'm saying, I'm, this is a little bit mysterious here, but what I'm saying is you've got to choose people who find people who are in the house of God, that that's their habit. That's their place where you'll find them. And, and the problem is we sometimes think, well, that person looks right. That person has a lot of talent, has a lot of ability and gift. So we'll just try and put them into a situation or get them leading. But you know something? They're not there. And it's so important that every single person here discovers the power of there, of being there. So I think there's... Oh, I'll just back up a bit. Um, in Numbers eleven seventeen, God says, I will talk to you there, Moses. He says to Moses, get those 70 there and I'll talk to you there. See, when God talks to you there, he'll also be talking to the others there. That's deep, isn't it? That's awesome. So we might think, well, what's up? Why do, why do the pastors always talk about you need to be in the house of God? Because then you're there. But when you're not there, you're not hearing what the leader's hearing and you're not experiencing what the leader's experiencing. And that's, that is, a, you know, I think if people were to discover the power of there, then we wouldn't have to spend so much time counseling them. I can tell you, I can guarantee you, there's people who don't come to church, but they're the ones who want to see me the most. They're the ones who never get over their problems. They're the ones who keep going around in circles, but they're only here once a month. If they'd only come and listen to the Word of God, let that soak into their spirit, soak into their thinking, they'll leave this place with a better counseling session because it's a place of, of, of um, faith and worship, and that changes us from the inside out. And counselling for years and years can't do that. That's why it's so important that we have a culture of that in our church. So when God talks to you there, he'll also be talking to the others there as well. So there's some great uh, people that never reach their potential because they don't understand the importance of there. And I want to encourage you today, whatever your habits are in life, and most of you are really, really good, you need to get this habit right. As a, If you want to be a leader... Be there. If you want to develop the call and the purpose of God in your life, be there. Most important thing that I can tell you tonight is the power of, of there. So you may see those who are gifted, brilliant, talented, handsome, well-connected, but if they aren't there, they just don't. They just don't. So people say about those who aren't there, if we give them responsibility, maybe they'll rise to it. And you know, I've made that mistake too, thinking, well, if we gave them some responsibility, if we let them, we let them do something, then maybe we'll see more of them. And you know what? Then they make the problem you. There's no helpers. There's not, not enough stuff. We haven't got the right equipment. This is broken. That's, that doesn't work. And, and then they make the problem you. Because you know what? They're not there. They're not there in the spirit. And we've, we've got to realize and recognize, start looking. Every Sunday, you start looking around the church and see who's there. Because the prophecy over Pauline and myself, when we first went to our first regional meeting up at Wyala, when we first started, uh, a, a prophet was there and he, he was, everyone went from here, our team went, they all wanted a word from the prophet. And I didn't want a word. And the only person who got a word was me and Pauline and the others didn't. So the ones who didn't want it got it and the ones who wanted it didn't get it. And the word was, it was, it was David McCracken, and he said, uh, you guys there, um, all around you is little pebbles, and everything you need to build the church is already there. 
You don't have to recruit. You don't have to bring people in. But we've got to start looking at the there, who's there. And you start looking around. And you might think, well, I'm only on a team. That's okay. You bring others on that team with you that are there. And you say, well, you come and join me. And I tell you, our church experience turns into a whole lot of fun. It becomes amazingly life-giving. And I'll tell you, the most, most exciting season of life in my life was, was, was on the welcome team at Edge Church. Because we just got other people around us, had, had uh, people who just came to church to serve, and you had a great lot of fun. And sometimes we didn't hear the preaching, sometimes we didn't, we didn't see the songs or anything like that, but we'd got, drive home thinking, I feel so incredibly blessed for being in the house of God today. And I didn't even hear all the message because I came to serve and it was exciting and it was, it was great to be there with others who were there. So, rule number three. I'll just back up a bit because my notes are pretty scattered here today. <clears throat> Avoid random startup programs, but don't come from leaders. We've got to really avoid that in the church. That's where someone comes to you and says, hey, guess what? We're going to have, we, you know, there's nothing wrong with a catch-up. If you say, hey, there's, there's a few of us, we're going to go to the beach, we're going to sail BJ's new yacht or something like that. We're going to do that. That's okay. That's, that's relationship. But we've got to avoid random startups where people say, hey, come to my house. Um, we're going to have, we're going to have a, a Bible study together. We're going to do all these things, but there's no connection to leadership. It's like secret. That's, that's always a bad way to start anything. It's, it's a bad culture to have in your personal life, and that doesn't get you there. It gets you there. And you think you're there because you're there, but you're actually not there. You're far away from the there you should be. Because you're trying to circumvent leadership in your life by, by alienating the leader who, who is there for you. So it's all about connection. So I really want to tell you, be cautious of these things because it's so. It, sometimes these are cultures we might, have, we might have had in our lives forever. But we've got to realize that, that God wants us there focused so that we can hear what the leader's hearing. It's not a secret what God will, will download to me, because often I'll preach and people will say, that's amazing, God just talked to me about that today. Or this week or whatever. So it's, a, it, it's important that we understand those rules. Rule number three. We need to be positioned for impartation of the Holy Spirit. And I said this to the prayer meeting on Sunday morning. I don't ever in my life, and I don't want to in the life of this church, ever think we can do what we do without the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in everything. I don't want to preach a message without the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to, I don't want to start a program without knowing that the Holy Spirit's told us that that's the direction we should go. I don't want us to just say, hey, we're, we're going to rely on our lights and, and some smoke and, and um, all those other add-ons. They're not the Holy Spirit, and we don't pretend that they are. But we don't want to walk into a direction where we think we can do this without the presence of God. So the most important thing about being there is you're positioned for an impartation of the Holy Spirit. Because God said this to Moses, he said, I will take the Spirit that is in you. This is incredible. I will take the Spirit that is in you, and I will put it upon all these other leaders. Now, I know we have the Holy Spirit available for everyone all the time today, but there is something in unity in the church that God wants to 
impart a similar spirit so that we have a culture and a, and a, a system, I guess, is, a, is, is a, a crude way of putting it, where we do things in a way that is us. And it's an, that's sort of like something that won't come naturally. Do you get 10 people in a room and try and uh, get them to agree on something? It's, it can be very, really difficult. But Moses, this is what God said. Um, he was gonna, God took what was on Moses, and we think, oh yeah, we want to have all the same spirit. He says, I will put the burden that is on you on these other people. And he gave the burden to the team of elders. And I'll tell you something, if you want to be a leader, but you don't have a burden, then you've got to say, why am I standing in this position? See, the thing for me is, is sometimes people think that, well, Rob, you, you get really passionate about stuff. And I remember on a hunting trip talking to a guy about church stuff, and I started getting all passionate about it. He goes, whoa, man, are you a preacher or something? And I said, I just can't help it. I'm supposed to be just concentrating on hunting goats. And I'm just like... <laughs> but I, I have a... I have a burden on my heart for the things of God and the call of God. And I have a burden for your life that you don't, you don't just say, well, um, God can't do anything with me. Because God can do incredible things in your life if you just decide that you'll be there. That you'll decide that you want to carry the burden of the gospel, carry the burden of this thing called church. So Moses had the burden shared among the people, among this team of elders. They weren't all going off in separate divisions, but they were one team in ministry. Individual people, but one team. And that's what, what we have to gauge in our, in our spirit, is what's my part in the team? Because a team doesn't have all the same thing. They're not all full forwards. They're, they're, not, all, they're not all ruckmen or whatever other sporting code you want to look at. But there's a team of people that all do something different, but they're all on the same team. And we've got to realize and recognize the power of the goal. So that when we, when we have a win, we all celebrate. So on Sunday, we had a, a couple of ladies that, that someone brought to church. A new lady brought her friends to church. And she was actually, she's a, a very new lady. She's out in kids' church. She's had two friends come. And they said, oh, we're here because of her. And... and they go, well, we don't know where she is, but we've been so excited, we, can't, we couldn't wait to come to church because of so much of what she's told us. That's awesome. She, said, she, she got baptized, I think, this, about this time last year. She's only been here a year, but she tells her friends what church is like, and they're saying, we couldn't wait to be here. And then one of them rededicated her life to the Lord on Sunday morning, and then her other friend said, oh, we'll be back. Don't worry about that. We'll be back. We understood everything. It was really, really good. So I want us to, I want us to be able to connect with people's um, intellectual level, but also take them into a supernatural level in the spirit as well. But sometimes we alienate the supernatural because we, we cross out their, their, their thinking capacity because we just do things weird. And we don't want to be weird. We want to be, we want to be able to connect to both areas. Because people don't come in here usually with a spiritual concept. They come in with a natural concept and they want to have a spiritual encounter. Sometimes they don't even know that's happening. But we want to be able to develop that. So for us to function effectively together, operating in the same spirit is vital. So we've got to spend time 
Um, you've got to spend time with your leader. You've got to spend time with uh, myself and Pauline and seek to know our burden and God will put that upon you. And, and you know, sometimes it can be, hey, can we catch up? Have, have, a, have time together during the week? And, and most importantly, it's, it's getting a heart of what we're preaching. Getting a heart of what we teach about. Getting a heart of, you, you'll, get a, you'll get an understanding of what's important to us. And why we do what we do. But I'm where I am today because I would go out of my way to serve my pastors over many, many years. I've mowed lawns, I've washed cars, I've, I've you know, had keys and opened buildings for, for meetings, I've put up walls, I've, I've organised keys, I've picked up chairs, I've done letterbox dropping, um, I've, I've picked up people, I've picked up guest speakers and, and I've done all these things. And I would seek time with my pastor regularly. They would have been annoyed by it, but I'd just say, hey, well, when can I see you? Can I see you tonight? And then if, if they couldn't give me a time, then I'd just hang out with their kids. I'd turn up at their house and just, I'd bring a big bag of lollies and balloons, give it to their kids and sit and watch TV in the pastor's house just so I could be there. But something of the spirit of the pastor would be getting on me. Something, something of the overflow was getting on my life. I'm not saying this is a pattern for everyone. We can't all do this. But I felt that I was, getting, I was positioning myself to be blessed by getting myself in their world. And I didn't do it thinking, well, one day I'll be a pastor. I just was thinking, I, I would, I would go, to, go to church on Sunday and worship and, and be in the service and go to work on Monday thinking, you know, there's something, I just want to go deeper in God. I just want to... I want to experience that worship again i just want to be close to the lord and uh, had this like hole in my life that i just wanted to get close as i could to god and and somehow i felt if i could just hang out with men of god then that would get on me and it does get on you in luke chapter 16 verses 10 to 12 jesus says this if you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you aren't faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? And this is where you might, you know, we, we just take it down, break it down to our own level of responsibility in church. And God looks at whether you're, you're the person who thinks, well, there's a spill of water. Well, I'll pick that up. I'll deal with that. I'll, I'll mop it up. Or if it's just like, well, th there's, there's a, a, something wrong with a chair. Taking responsibility for that little thing are the, those, those little factors along the way that, that either promote you or leave you where you are. As a leader, your, your role is to share with others what is on you and what God has put on your life. So if you have, if you have a, um, a particular strength, then God wants to help you to see those there around you who have that in its infancy. And you start to support them, give, make a way for them to have an opportunity to grow and develop in that thing. We're going to look at... Um, Our hosts, our host teams, it's a really, really important part of our church. Um, our welcome team is very important. 
So our hosts on a Sunday morning, how we welcome people publicly, that's, that's really important. How people walk through the front doors is really important. And, and we, need to, we need to always be watching that. And, and I've heard this heaps of times in leadership training. You don't put the weirdest person in your church on the front door. And it's not that we don't like them or love them, but that's probably not the best place for them. So the first thing when someone walks in the front door, if they're weirded out by somebody who wants to hug them or, 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 or you know, say weird stuff, they're probably going to think this is strange. They get a bad, a bad um, experience right from the start. Now that doesn't mean that person can't be fitted somewhere else and be absolutely productive and vital in the life of our church. But we've just got to be sensible. It's called wisdom. <clears throat> so... I'm just going to skip through a lot of stuff tonight, but we don't have, you, you would have noticed for, if you're a host here tonight if, and if you've been regular on our hosting team um, up the front, we don't have a, given, a, a, a giving sermon every time. I don't want to do that. I don't think it's necessary. But when we receive an offering, um, we do want to teach our church what it is and why we, we do our offerings, why we give. We've done things like the series, The Blessed Life, and that has changed our church. You know, I know some people didn't like it and thought it was uh, you know, unnecessary, but that literally was the biggest thing that changed our church, particularly financially, in the last three years. But if you want to have a reason why we have an offering, why do we do offerings? To pay the bills, to pay staff, to buy equipment? They're secondary. They're secondary things. We have offerings because we want people to have a full expression of worship to Jesus and our giving is part of that. That's why we have giving because it's an expression of our worship and we want to give people an, a, a full experience of that in their life. Most of us today will never experience giving like the woman who had nothing left but two coins and Jesus watched her put it in the offering. All she had that's worship. That's found in Mark chapter 12, 44. Or the other woman who broke the alabaster container over Jesus of really expensive perfume that says in some places a year's worth of wages. Chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 26, we, we see that story. We may not ever be called upon to, to give a year's wages or to, to give our very last copper coins to God. But on giving, I expect that those of us who are leaders, especially leaders of departments or, or uh, bearing responsibilities in the church, that we've got to be givers in every part of our lives, including spiritually disciplined in our finances. Be prepared as a leader for one priority. Um, Pauline and myself, as soon as one priority is done one year, we're already starting to save for the next year. It's just what we do. It's a discipline. It's a sacrifice. Um, but we want to do it because, you know, we want to sow into what God's building. I don't want your money. The church or God doesn't need your money. You need and people need spiritual freedom that goes with living in a full expression of worship. That's what you need. That's why you, you need to discover the, the, the freedom of sacrifice when it comes to finances. So I'm going to give you some quick points in Nehemiah. I've just skipped over a lot of stuff about Moses so we don't be here all night. But Nehemiah 6 verse 1 to 14. And I've just got a heading on this part, when giving goes wrong. 
We all know the story of Nehemiah and uh, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. The walls of Jerusalem were knocked down, burnt down. Um, all, the, all the inhabitants of, of Jerusalem, the Israelites, were all taken away as captives, gone to Babylon. Seventy-odd years later, they're, starting to, they're, they're being allowed back in dribs and drabs. They're coming back to Jerusalem. Nehemiah hears the, sto- the, the, the conditions of Jerusalem's walls. He's still working for the, for the Babylonians in Babylon. And he hears that the walls of Jerusalem are broken down and burnt. And he gets such a burden in his heart. You've got to get that word tonight, a burden for the call of God and the cause of God in your life. He gets this burden and he starts to pray about it, starts to think about it. And eventually the king notices that he's sad because he's been in mourning about the walls of Jerusalem and asks him the question and he is absolutely horrified because he thinks, well, this, this king's ruthless. He'll probably cut my head off for this. And the king actually hears him out and says, look, go back, rebuild the walls. So that's the story where it starts from. But he, they, they, he gets there, starts rebuilding the walls and there's three characters that, that turn up, Sanballat, Tobiah and Geshem the Arab. Nehemiah 6 verses 1 to 4 and verses uh, 10 to 13. Now their job was to intimidate and to waste his time. And so it says in in Nehemiah chapter 6 that they sent him official letters demanding a meeting. We need to meet you, Nehemiah. We need to have time with you because we think, and they're trying to paint a picture as if they're trying to help him. They're saying, we've heard that you're going to make yourself the king. We've heard that if you do that, the, the, the Babylonians are going to come and they're going to take you out. They're going to kill you too. So the thing is, they're, they're, they're trying to intimidate him. Four times they sent the same thing, trying to get his attention. But Nehemiah never responded or stopped what he was called to do when others who were pretending to be helping, helping him called him aside. He wouldn't go. He wouldn't be distracted by their, by their letters. If we fast forward a few years down the track, Remember those three names, Sam Ballot, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab. Nehemiah 13, verse 4 and 5. Tobiah, who was one of the, I think he was the leader of the gang of intimidators who was trying to stop building the walls of Jerusalem. I think it's amazing in Nehemiah 13 that this same Tobiah is found living in the temple. He lives in a room in the temple. He opposed the building opposed Nehemiah's God-appointed role as leader to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, but somehow he gets his way to have an office, a command post in the temple. So Tobiah is a spirit that wants to gain control in the church all the time. And we need to be aware of these things. They're not people, they're spirits behind things. And sometimes we'll we'll have these things in the church and people saying, well, you've got to read my emails. You've got to read my letters. You've got to come. You must meet with me. You know, I, I often, you know, I'm not saying that we don't have a transparency and an ability and a willingness to talk to people about things, but sometimes there's a spirit that goes with it that's a Tobiah talking that has a veneer that I'm on your side. I'm going to try and protect you from things happening, but actually they're trying to tangle you up with things and red tape and to intimidate and stop you from focusing on what God has called you to build. Somehow, Tobiah gets his way to have an office, a command post in the temple. Nehemiah 13, verse 6 to 12, Tobiah when he's mentioned, it's a spirit at work that replaces 
where the tithe should be and stops the provision for the temple workers. That's what the, the, the Tobiah spirit wants to do. I'm not, hopefully I'm not losing you all here, but Tobiah is not interested in people's worship to God. He's not interested, he's not interested at, the, at the temple for that purpose. He's interested in having his own seat of power in the temple. That's what motivates him. I want to have my own seat of power in the temple because in this room that, that he took over, that was where they stored all the offerings. That's what the, the Levites and the priests were provided from. Now, they had all stopped their work because Tobiah had said, I'll have this room, take all that stuff out. There's going to be no more offerings brought. I, I'm using this place as a command post to put my agenda, my desire and my plans forward. And he's the one who was saying, don't build the walls of Jerusalem. How do you get there? So we've got to spot Tobiah and shut him out. See, a Tobiah had friends in high places. He, he had a priest, Eliashib the priest. Now, it's amazing, this Eliashib, I don't know if the, the, the pronunciation's right. Right at the start of the book of Nehemiah, he's one of the first guys who starts building the wall. Him, him and the other priests began the work of building the wall. So he's a good man, but he's been influenced and infiltrated by an enemy in the ranks, Tobiah. So he has political power, Nehemiah 6, 6 verse 1. He, this Tobiah uses friendships to create political power. He hides among the others who oppose God. Every time he's mentioned, he's in the middle. He's, he's sneaky. He's in the middle of the pack where you think, well, he's not the leader, but he actually is. But he's opposing God all along the way. Every time he's, he's mentioned, Tobiah doesn't need to be in the front to be the leader of the, 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 the gang of discouragement. The Spirit hides among others that gang up against those who carry God's plan. And as a leader, you've got to get used to that. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to realize what Paul Scanlon said is, is being popular won't kill you. But having the wrong people in your life speaking into your world will, or it could. The thing I love about Nehemiah is he confronted Tobiah. He threw out his belongings and brought back the offerings to where they should be. And the temple workers got back to work. One of the th scariest things that I, I think I've ever experienced is when I came to the church here. They, they, they had interviews. They spoke to me. They talked to me a lot before we came. I never once asked about, well, how's the finances of the church? I just assumed that they'd be good. But after I'd been here for a, a long time, at, at least six months, wasn't until then that one day I just must have been bought. I got some folders out of the main office there and started to look at the financials from the year before, the year I arrived. And I thought, what on earth? How did they even keep the doors open? It was, it was that bad. It was, it was really, really tight. I thought, I don't even know how they did anything. But I'm, I'm glad I responded to the call of God without knowing that. Because I, I would have used that and thought, well, I'm not going there. But perhaps, I, I don't know, but perhaps there was a spirit of Tobiah at work in the church that was taking all of the resource, all of the, all of the things that should have been stored in the storehouse of God and it was going somewhere else before it even got here. So the, 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 the fruit that should have been in, in ministry was, was, was not even able to start, wasn't even being able to be sown because it was being squandered out the window before it even started. 
I'm talking to you as leaders today. Hopefully you can understand these concepts. But what I love about Nehemiah, he confronted Tobiah and threw all his stuff, all his belongings. He, he, he threw them out of the temple so that they could restore the offerings to where they should be. Leaders, God is wanting to, to talk to you about worship, about who is in the room in the temple where the offering should be. This is the most important platform that you need to um, instill in your life at the start of the year is who's in that room in the temple of your heart. So maybe there's been a Tobiah who snuck in and thought, hey, you know what, um, church is all about money, church is all about this. You know something? I don't need your money. I don't want your money. I don't benefit if the church was to get a donation of, of $10 million. I don't get benefit. I get my pay. That's set by the board. And we need to honour and respect them. And, and I, I, you can ask those who have been on the board for, for a long time or, or who have sat on it before, I've never asked for pay increase. I've never asked for, for any of those things because I, I'm not um, believing that's going to be the solution to our church if I get paid more. But we, we just need to have a, a, a culture in our church where we give place for people to worship God in fullness. And that means having a good balanced way forward for people to give. So I just want to fill you in on a few, few practical things that are coming up this year and get your buy-in so you can get the why behind our what. Um, I don't just go, oh, who's, who's on the speaking tour lately? I think I'll get that person. I do ask the Lord to uh, put on my heart who, who we need to bring into the church as guest ministries. And um, we've got a few this year. I'll go through them. And I'll, I want you to, with, with your team, start, start talking to your team. We've got this coming up. Start thinking of how we're going to make this uh, work. How do we make it better? So um, this is where we need the, the buy-in and that we have the, the be there people at work and, and, and engage. Mark, uh, Mark, March is what I'm saying. March 2 to 4, we've got Sam Long and Youth Alive. Um, Youth Alive is going to be here doing a, a road tour they're doing around the state uh, here on a Friday night. And then he's also going to be with us uh, on our Sunday morning service. He's a Youth Alive director and Youth Alive is doing a great job bringing youth leaders and, and youth groups around the state together for, for big events. And they're doing a great job of evangelizing young people. They do concerts in schools. They do training things in schools about all sorts of things. Uh, we need to um, put our best foot forward there and make Sam welcome that day and honor the work that they do. Um, so I'm looking forward to that one. We have uh, March uh, 15 to 18, we have Josh and Kelly Long. They're not related to each other, just have the same surnames. Um, but Josh and Kelly Long are worship pastors at Influences Church. Uh, he's an American, or they're both American. Um, but they're here, particularly, we always get guest preachers, but we're going to have a guest worship leader, and he's a preacher too. So I'm looking forward to that one. That's going to be really, really pivotal, I think, in taking us into new levels of worship and taking our worship team into um, new understandings and new experiences. Um, on that same weekend, on the Friday, the 16th of March, we have our regional here. Um, all of you are in are invited to come to those regional meetings. It's going to be 10 o'clock in the morning for coffee. Uh, come along, um, be involved. Uh, see if there's anything you can do on that day. Friday morning, uh, maybe you're at work, I don't know, but if you can come along, it's going to be a, a good morning. Other 
pastors and leaders from our region are going to be here. So that's going to be good. Um, Easter, Good Friday is the 30th of March. Um, we're going to have a movie night on the Saturday again and, and we have our, uh, our Easter service. We're going to have one here and at Alliston this year. It's the first of the month. So I, I think that's going to be uh, really, really important. Easter is not the time for leaders to be away. It's the most important time in the church for outreach. Um, more people seek church at Easter than any other time in the year. So why would the church be closed at that time? It's okay if, if we just think, hey, we just want to, you know, it's the last weekend before the weather turns bad. That's dumb. That's not where it's at. That's not being there. So if we, if we, uh, if we want to really capitalise on the opportunities we have, that's one where people go, I want to go to church. I mean, I heard of one guy here in Port Lincoln, a businessman, who came to our church, this church, in generations past, on Easter time. And somebody so graciously said, we don't want people like you who just come at Easter. We don't want that kind of, a, we don't want that kind of person in our church. Yes, we do. Yes, we do, because if the person had said to them, hey, you know what, it's awesome to see you here today. It's so good to have you at our church with us today. And uh, you know, you're welcome. Great to see you. You know what, in three weeks' time, he's going to go, mm, you know what, I might go to church again. So I, I bet you he might, but not to this one when someone tells him that. That's why we've got to be careful who's on our door. You, you know, so you think, oh, yeah, we'll put them on the door. They can't do much damage. Oh, yes, they can. So we, we, yeah, but, but we really we need to be aware of these things. Now, I don't want to wreck you long weekend, but I, I, want to, I want us to spur something for your future in ministry. And God, God blesses you back whatever you give him. You might think, oh, he's talking about Easter. That's my special time. Uh, moving on to May. So Easter, we're all cool with that. Um, May the 10th, um, we have Paul Scanlon. He's coming to Port Lincoln. He's going to be here in our church. Um, one, you know, a really, really world-class speaker that uh, Compassion Australia is bringing around. And we have him here. He's going to be in our church. That's going to be fantastic. So um, if you don't know who he is, look up Paul Scanlon. Start listening to his preaching. He'll challenge your socks off. He'll, he'll, he'll make you challenge yourself and whether you're a believer or not. But uh, that is going to be a, a really good time having him here. Uh, May the 20th, we have Pastor Josh Breath, uh, Brett, our state president from the ACC. He's going to be here at both services that weekend. Um, August, we have a guy called Aaron Price. Um, he's going to be here in the morning and going with BJ uh, into the prison that afternoon, doing the prison service. He was a prisoner who came to the Lord in prison. He's now pastoring an amazing church, uh, a campus church uh, in Perth, Western Australia, doing an amazing job, but he's a, a life transformed from a drug addict, criminal, to now a pastor. And uh, we, you know, when I met him, I thought, you know what, we need to get guys like this into our prison to talk to guys who were just like him 10 years ago, but now his life is totally transformed. You would never know the background that he came from when you see him today, because that's what God wants to do. So I want to I have uh, our church exposed to those kind of guys. Um, also, August the 17th, um, we have here Youth Alive United We Stand concert. We did it last year. It went really well. And you know what? Someone stole our offering. Or no, not, not our offering. They stole the, 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 the canteen money. 
really disappointing, but it happened on Sunday. So you figure. Um, church, it shouldn't happen, but it does. But we're going to have that this year, and hopefully we're going to be more secure with our, with our uh, bag of money so no one else pinches it. But um, united we stand, again, we, we have good connections and, and relationships with all the other churches and youth groups in town. Um, we, you know, they used our building last year. They, they want to use it again this year. Um, having our veranda out the front and all that stuff, you know, we'll put out the barbecue, we'll do stuff. But we need people to have buy-in from our church who are there. So some of you, you might think, well, what can I do? Uh, you can come and help. I'm going to leave you with another couple of thoughts. We've got five minutes. Leaders don't usually need ideas. Leaders usually have lots of ideas. And so sometimes you might, you might live in this thing, well, our church doesn't listen to me and, and no one wants to know my ideas. You know what? That's right. Because one day God will give you ideas when you're a leader. But in the process of time, what you need to do is say, if you're in, in the worship team, you need to be saying, Beth, what do you need that's going to help you to facilitate this team? And you know, I know often there's nothing worse than when you think, well, hey, we, we just want to start um, you know, gifting people with, with more responsibility. And that's when they fail. That's when they give up. That's not the time to give up. When, when you have a, a challenge that, that is going to take you forward, you need to push forward and you need to, you need to tell the, the Tobias who are trying to take away what is meant to be for God in your life, you say, get behind me, Tobiah, because I'm going to give this to God. So there's a, there's a time and a place for your ideas, but you know what? You, you're usually not going to find that there's, there's a lot of... Um, uh, enthusiasm by your leaders when you're just, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Because there's lots of things that even are on the leader's heart that they can't do for lots of different reasons. But when you can submit, though, submit your ideas to another time and say to your leader, what is it that I can do to help build this team? And offering yourself like that is where we make progress and where we make things grow. And we are seeing great momentum in the church um, over the last five years I think we've had consistent growth year on year and we want to continue to see that but passing on to you I know today's been very disjointed and and our things didn't work and you know what I even th- I'm not going to use the clicker because I don't want to muck it up but it didn't work anyway that's not me but but I want us to continue to, to press forward and develop great leaders develop a great church culture but we have, to, we, we have to understand and be mature in our own development. So that the, the most important thing that you can do this year is to develop yourself to a, to a way where you say, I'm not going to be offended by things that happen around me. I'm focusing my attention on God. It's not about if they listen to my ideas or not. It's not about whether um, uh, I got selected for, for the role that I wanted. I know I'm still hurting from grade six when I, I wasn't allowed to be Toto in the Wizard of Oz. Neil Potter was. Not that it matters. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't tell that I'm still hurting, could you? Let's pray. Well, I really, really hope that tonight has, has you've got something out of tonight. Um, but we do really have a great opportunity in front of us but we need to be always on the front foot of what God wants to do now in our church and in our lives not 
on the back foot trying to survive. We do need to tackle the Tobias every day. So we've just seen in the last two years a great um, freedom in our church to do a lot of things that we're doing is because Tobias not keeping the offerings away from the house of God anymore. And we need to see that continue. We need to see that grow. Maybe tonight you need to start thinking, well, God, I want to be ready for August with the one priority giving. And again, it's not because we need to pay bills or, or, or build a building or anything like that. It's because you need a breakthrough in your life to worship God with full freedom. So, dear Heavenly Father, I just pray. Uh, thank you for, for the leaders here tonight. I thank you for the things that you want to do in our church. I thank you for the people who are coming. I thank you for um, the, the plans that we have with the growth track and what that's going to mean in our lives of, of uh, discovering more about ourselves and where, how you want us to... Um, connect in to build a great church so god i just pray for the holy ghost just to get on each of us i pray that people here tonight may may be agents of being there they might help others to be there they might find the power of there and i just pray that the um, spirit of freedom the spirit of true worship rest upon us just like it rested upon those 70 elders so God, I pray, use us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we did do something different in planning these nights. Is um, They're not as open as we would have done in the past, but we really, really do want to build the church from our leaders up, um, from catering to every other department. So I want to encourage you to, you know... Um, be here when, when these nights are on. You'll get invitations. We had a, a few little uh, teething problems using Alvanto to get those out to people. Um, so we're learning. Um, and I hope that we, I think we have another three or four of these tonight. I made a mistake in my, my mail out to you. But um, we'll keep you informed of when they're on. And I just hope that we can see that this, this group of people growing with a, um, a strength and a buy-in. And just be, you know, be looking for others on Sunday who are there on, on weekends. See who's there. Start talking to people. Start reaching out to people and, and uh, bringing them in on the journey um, and seeing what God does in their lives as well as all of our lives too.